know us. We wonder what we're having, nigga, we don't care who the fuck. Go on here, boot him up. Got a shooter in the cut, all the fuck you know is shoot him up. Niggas think cool as us. They tryna bite the swag, hell nah, they ain't fooling us. One time for the one time. And we talking out the deuce two times for the you know what? You know what? Your ass too lame, so I'm sorry you can't sit with us. You know what? Your bushing on my name, so my chain, she gon' give it up. Alright y'all, what is going on? This is your man L. Jamal coming through with another edition of Never Out of Bounds. Of course, this is the place where you can say what you want as long as you got them facts. Uh, this is one of those nights we got a whole lot to talk about. Uh, we got the first round of the NCAA tournament to go in the books. We also are going to be going over some uh, NFL free agency. Uh, we also be uh, previewing uh, the upcoming MLB season. So tonight we'll be going over the AL West, the American League West. And then um, I also want to get away from the sports for just a little bit. I wanted to talk a little bit about Kirk Franklin and his son. Um, I know I'm a little bit late, but I think I have a, I have a, I, I, I know I have a line of thinking on this that's, that's a little bit different than everybody else. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that. And then finally, I got something for you guys. Um, you know, I got something that really grinds my gears. So I'm going to say that for the end. So let's just go ahead and get on into it. Like I said, first round of the NCAA tournament is in the books. Let's start off with all the action on the first night of action that, puts us at thursday of course we had the first four in um we have texas southern uh they took a they got the uh, the w against mount st mary 60 to 52 uh we also got drake getting it done over uh wichita state 53 to 52 uh we also got uh norfolk state getting it done uh by one as well against appalachian state in that game norfolk state uh they were led by uh guard jalen hawkins 24 points five assists and also joe bryant jr 10 points from him for rebounds um for appalachian state they were led by guard justin forrest he would have 18 points and four rebounds and guard adrian delf would have nine points and four rebounds a couple of takeaways from this game the tale of two halves uh for norfolk state they would outscore uh, appalachian state 36 to 20 in the first half appalachian state was virtually non-existent but then would also flip in the second half uh with App appalachian state doing the majority of the scoring outscoring the um outscoring the uh Spartans 33 to 18 like I said in the second half so like I said first half of the game Norfolk looked to be pretty hot they were making buckets uh second half like I said it switched up it was Appalachian State and it really pretty much came down uh to the last basket uh for Norfolk State they would shoot 34 percent from the field um Appalachian State would shoot 28 percent so not necessarily good shooting from either team um we will talk a little bit about more a little bit about uh, Norfolk State a little bit more, especially about the, those shooting numbers, because yeah, they come back. They it came back today, so we'll we'll talk a little bit about more about them more in just a second. Uh, Appalachian State would have more rebounds in this game, forty six to thirty five. But you know what? It just you know all those a lot of those stats, of course, a lot of them don't make you know don't make a difference in the end. Uh, the Spartans would force ten steals and fourteen turnovers, so good defense from them. Like I said, turning the ball over, forcing steals, uh, hands on the ball throughout the game, getting crucial rebounds. Uh, that's what led them to at least get to the first round. Uh, moving on, we also got UCLA getting it done. Uh, this was for the eleven seed. Uh, they got it done in overtime against Michigan State, eighty-six to eighty. <clears throat> excuse me. For UCLA, they were led by one of my favorite players this year, uh, next to probably Kate Cunningham and Luca Garza. 
uh, really impressed me over the past few weeks. Um, Jaime Jaquez, uh, 27 points from him, uh, uh, two assists and four rebounds. Uh, mind you, he's been looking very hot as of lately because his averages on the year were just 11 points. So to come out in your first round game where you're playing game here um, and score 27 points in a game that really meant something, good job by Jaquez, good job by UCLA in general. Uh, Johnny Juzang was active as well with 23 points, two assists, and also four rebounds. And for Cody Kelly and guard Jules Bernard, would both have 11 points each. Each uh, Bernard would have eight rebounds to his totals, and Cody would have six rebounds to his totals. Uh, for Michigan State, they were led by guard, uh, sorry, forward at a sorry Aaron Henry, 16 points from him, seven assists, and also five rebounds. And guard Joshua Langford uh, was involved with uh, was involved as well, um, double digit scoring. <clears throat> the biggest takeaway from this game, Johnny Juzang, uh, he would suffer a um, ankle sprain. Now, the severity was unknown, but he did have an MRI, but he looks like he should be ready. I believe the second round game for them is going to be Monday for UCLA, so he should be ready uh, by by Monday. Uh, let's move on to Saturday. Well, well, not Saturdays, but Friday's action. Uh, we got number 10, uh, Virginia Tech. They took the L here to number 7, Florida. Number 7, Seed, Florida in OT. 70-75 to 75 was the final score here. But Virginia Tech, they were led by uh, guard Naheem Alain. 28 points from him and also guard Tyrese Radford. He would have 18 points, 2 assists, and 4 rebounds from Florida. They were led by Florida Colin Castleton. 19 points from him, 2 assists, and 14 rebounds. So all over the place, double-double from him. Uh, definitely a factor into why the Gators got it done. Scotty Lewis, also a big-time factor. 15 points, 2 assists, and 4 rebounds coming off of the bench. And then we also got Trey Mann, the regular starter here at the guard spot. Uh, 14 points, 4 assists, and 3 rebounds. Uh, a couple takeaways from this game. Despite 28 points overall, Alain would just have 2 points in overtime. Um, just really struggled, uh, and, and Virginia Tech seemed to kind of run out of gas in overtime as a whole as well. Uh, Florida would also control the boards, 36-22, so a uh, very uh, long, well, pretty significant margin there. Again, extra possessions and also taking away possessions is the key to the game with those rebounds. Uh, moving on, we got the number 14 seed, Colgate, coming up short against the number 3 seed, Arkansas, 68-85. Uh, we have Drexel getting it done against, uh, sorry, Drexel taking a huge loss to uh, Illinois here, 78-49. Uh, of course, Illinois is the number one seed. They will be facing Chicago, uh, sorry, La Loya uh, University of Chicago in the second round. Uh, moving on, we got Texas Tech getting it done against Utah State, 65-53. to uh, We also got Oral Roberts. This was probably the upset of the weekend here. You'll hear a lot of people talking about this matchup here. Not just so much uh, this uh, postseason, but probably for a while now. The number 15 seed, Oral Roberts. Again, um, my buddies have always, because we, we're into NCAA basketball games and just NCAA basketball and football all together. We always come up with these jokes. We always been making fun of uh, Oral Roberts just because of the name. We always call them Blowjob Bobs. Um, I'm pretty sure this is not new. I'm pretty sure we're not breaking the curve here by doing that. But it's just always been a funny name to us. But again, the 15 seed Oral Roberts gets it done against the number two seed Ohio State. Again, this is an upset. Um, Oral Roberts is coming. I believe they're in the Horizon League. Um, I could be off about their conference, but a smaller conference, a uh, smaller school here. 
uh, in Ohio State, of course, coming from the Big Ten. Uh, they were, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, runners-up in the, the conference championship, or at least in the regular season. So very potent Ohio State squad, but lost uh, in overtime by free to Oral Roberts, uh, or like my buddies like to say, blow dry bobs. Uh, for Oral Robert, uh, they were led by forward Kevin Obinar. He would have 30 points, 11 rebounds, and guard Max Abamas. He would have 29 points, three rebounds, sorry, three assists, and five rebounds. Uh, for Ohio State, they were led by their forward uh, EJ Lillard. EJ Lillard, sorry, EJ Little. 23 points from him, five assists, and 14 rebounds. And guard Dwayne Washington Jr. would have 18 points, two assists. And 10 rebounds. Um, a couple of takeaways from this game. Ohio State would only go 50% from the three free throw line. Um, again, when you have a when you have a final score that's decided by three points or less, a point or less. Usually, when you start looking at the stats, you'll start seeing where one team just missed out on a couple of things. Um, free throws definitely came back to haunt Ohio State. Only nine of 18 from the free throw line. Now, Oral Roberts also played a great defensive game as well, forcing 10 steals uh, overall and also 16 turnovers. I believe this is one of their, um, I think their, I think this is their, the the best win over, sorry, what you what you would call that, how would I phrase this? Um, it's their uh, win against the, the highest seed. This is the highest seed that they've ever beaten. That's what I wanted to say. This is the highest seed that Oral Roberts has ever beaten. We'll see what happens with them in the second round. Uh, up at number 16, we have the 16th seed here. Uh, this is, I believe this is going to be in the south bracket. Uh, we have Hartford uh, taking on the, the first seed, Baylor. 79-55 to 55 is a final score in the favor of the Baylor Bears. That one was pretty easy. Uh, we also got number 9, Georgia Tech. Uh, like I said, taking the L here to Loyola of Chicago, setting up a in-state matchup within the conference or within the tournament between, like I said, Loyola of Chicago, Illinois, and also the University of Illinois. So there we go. Uh, another big upset from uh, Friday, we had the number 12 seed Oregon State Beavers getting it done against the number five seed Tennessee Volunteers, 70, 70 to 56. For Oregon, they were led by Oregon State, excuse me, they were led by Ramon Silva at the center spot. 16 points from him. He would also have four rebounds. Guard Jared Lucas would have 14 points, two assists, uh, two assists, and also six rebounds. And guard Ethan Thompson would have 13 points, six assists, and also 10 rebounds. For Tennessee, they were led by guard Keon Johnson, who had 14 points, uh, two assists, and also six rebounds. And guard Jaden Springer, he would have 12 points, three assists, and also three rebounds. Um, Moving on, we also got uh, the number four seed Oklahoma State getting it done against Liberty, sixty to sixty-nine. Uh, we got uh, number eight, number nine matchup here. Uh, UNC, aka North Carolina, uh, you know they take a blowout loss here to Wisconsin, eighty-five to sixty-two. One of the worst losses uh, North Carolina has had ever in the first round. They normally don't even lose in the first round. So again, I just go to show you how times are changing. Uh, we have uh, number two Houston taking an easy win here over num the number 15 seed uh, Cleveland State, 87 to 56. We also got uh, North Texas here uh, getting a surprising upset. Uh, the 13th seed against the number four seed Purdue, 78 and 69. Uh, the Big Ten has so far struggled uh, in the NCAA tournament. Not a whole lot of teams getting those first round wins. A lot of upsets coming from them. Uh, but we do have one team getting it done from the Big Ten. Number 10, Rutgers, the number 10 seed Rutgers, uh, gets it done against Clemson. Seven, sorry, 60 to 56. 
Of course, Clemson being the seventh seed, this is Rutgers' first ever win in the NCAA tourney. If I'm not mistaken, they have not been here uh, in 30 years. If not 1991, excuse me, it might be 1999. Forgive me if I if I have those dates wrong. Uh, but it's their first ever tournament win. Uh, this has been a long time coming since even being in the tourney from the last time. So good luck on them. Uh, finally, to wrap up all the all the drama, uh, we do have. Um, Syracuse getting it done against the sixth seed, uh, San Diego State, 78 to 62. But Syracuse are led by guard Buddy Boheim, uh, 30 points from him, four rebounds, and also guard Joseph Gerard the third. He would have 12 points, seven rebounds, and also six assists. For San Diego State, they were led by guard Matt Mitchell and also uh, guard Jordan Sh uh, Shakel. They would both have 17 points. Uh, Mitchell would have four assists and eight rebounds to his totals as well. Now for San Diego State, it was it all started off well for them. They would go, uh, they would outscore uh, Syracuse 32, 32 to 18 in the second half. Uh, sorry, in the first half. Uh, but they would end up giving up 46 points in the second. So, again, great start in the first half. They kind of fell apart defensively for them in the second half. Uh, Aztecs would shoot only 35% uh, from the field and also just 27% from three. Uh, as for Syracuse defensively, uh, they would go on to have eight blocks. All right, so moving on, a couple more games to go through for uh, Friday. Uh, we got Villanova and Winthrop, fifth seed Villanova. They will get it done by 10 against the 12 seeded Winthrop. And then finally on Friday, like I said, we got uh, number uh, number the number three seed West Virginia from the Big 12 getting it done against the number 14 seed Moorhead State. Now, let's move on to Saturday again. Uh, these days were pretty uh, long and intense in terms of all the action and all the games. So we are just about there, y'all. Like I said, we have made it to Saturday. Uh, the end of the first round, uh, just the first round. Uh, we have number five, the number fifth seed, uh, the number five seed Colorado getting it done against Georgetown at the 12th seed, 96 to 73. Uh, we also got um, number the number 13 seed here, UNC Greensboro, taking a loss here to the fourth seeded Florida State Seminoles, 54 to 64. Uh, we had a really another really great game early in the Eastern bracket. Uh, with number three Kansas, the number three seed Kansas getting it done against the 14 seeded um, Washington Eastern Washington Eagles, 93 to 84 was the final score here for Eastern Washington. They were led by four Tanner Groves. He would have 35 points and five rebounds. Also guard Jacob Groves. I'm not too sure if there's a relation there. 23 points and nine rebounds uh, for Kansas. They were led by guard Marcus Garrett. He would have 20 points and three assists as well as eight rebounds. Uh, guard Ochai Agbaji, uh, uh, sorry Agbaji, uh, would have um, 20 points, uh, three rebounds and eight assists. Sorry, it's like 21 points, three assists, and also seven rebounds. And for David McCormick would have 22 points, two assists, and nine rebounds. Uh, in this game, another tale of two halves. Eastern Washington would lead after the first half, 46 to 38. Now Kansas would would storm back in the second half, outscoring the Eagles 55 to 38. Uh, Washington State would shoot 50% from the field and 38% from three. Kansas, a uh, little bit uh, less from the field goal percentage, 47% from the field, but 40% from three. Uh, Kansas would also force seven steals and 14 turnovers. So that was another factor uh, within that game as well. So some defense from Kansas, uh, good shooting from both teams. Kansas was like they pulled it off near the end. Uh, we have the number nine seed St. Bonaventure getting it done. Oh, sorry, taking an L here against the number eight seed LSU, 61 to 76. Uh, we get 
number six, the number 16 seed getting blown out by Michigan. Uh, Texas Southern, 66 to 82 was the final score here. Uh, the number five seed Creighton gets it done against UC Santa Barbara, 63 to 62. Uh, we got Alabama getting it done against Iona, 68 to 55. And we also got USC here getting the best of Drake from the sixth seed. Um, well, USC being in the sixth seed, Drake being the 11th seed, 72 the 56 was the final score here. Uh, moving to the Western region, uh, we have the number two seed Iowa getting it done against the 15 seed Grand Canyon University, 86 to 70, uh, 74 for that matter. Uh, for Iowa, they were led by guard Luca Garza, 24 points from him, six rebounds. Uh, we also got guard Joe Weiskamp getting 16 points, five assists, and eight rebounds. And also forward uh, Keegan Murray with 13 points, and also guard Jordan Bohannon with 13 points as well. Murray would have 17 rebounds, and Bohannon would have two assists and also four rebounds. For Grand Canyon, they were led by center Asbjorn um, mid to guard. Uh, 80, 80, sorry, 18 points, six rebounds. Guard Jovan Blackshear would have 15 points, um, seven assists, and three rebounds. And center Alessandro Lever and also forward Gabe McLaughlin would have uh, 13 points. Uh, moving on, we have a 10 seed matchup against a seven seed. Maryland um, gets it done against Connecticut. Excuse me, 63 to 54. Uh, we have Virginia here. Oh man, they took another another upset loss here. Uh, number 13 seed Ohio gets it done against Virginia, 62 to 58. Uh, for Ohio, the Bobcats were led by Ford Ben Vanderpla. Again, when I say Ohio, I'm not talking about Ohio State. We're just talking about University of Ohio. Okay, for uh, Ohio, they were led by Ben Vanderpla, 17 points, four assists, and also five rebounds. Ford Ben Roderick would have 15 points and two rebounds, and guard Jason Preston would have 11 points, eight assists, and also 13 rebounds. For Virginia, they were led by forward Sam Hauser. He would have 15 points, three assists, and nine rebounds. And guard Trey Murphy, the third, would have 12 points and four rebounds. Uh, for Virginia, they would shoot about 35% from the field and also 25% from three. So not nothing, you know, to really write home about for them in terms of shooting. Ohio, Ohio, excuse me, almost messed up there. Ohio would control the boards 38 to 29. Would also have 12 team assists. Now, Virginia's defense will come to play. They would have seven blocks. Uh, they would also force five steals and ten turnovers. Um, but their magic number is 60, okay, guys? Uh, meaning if they can keep a team under 60 points, then they won the game. If they can score over 60 points, then they can win a game. Uh, but there were 13 personal fouls from uh, Virginia, and Ohio would make the best of it from the free throw line going 13 to 14. So, like I said, in the game where it's decided by three points, two points, something like that, a point, you look at some of the, the stats, like the free throw, you'll see where one team made a difference and one team just didn't show up. So that's that was the difference this year for Virginia. Like I said, their magic number, when you always think about Virginia basketball, their magic number is going to forever be 60. If they can't score more than 60, they're not going to win. If they can't, if somebody scores more than 60 on them, they're going to lose that game. It's just that simple. It's just that simple for Virginia basketball. It's a little bit disappointing, uh, but at the same time, um, when you see him play, you know. When you know, you know. Uh, moving on, we're going to wrap up uh, tonight's action. Uh, we got the number nine seed getting it done. Sorry, the number eight seed getting it done. Oklahoma, uh, they beat Missouri 72-68. to 68. Uh, We got uh, Gonzaga blowing out Norfolk State 99-55. Uh, so, like I said, uh, the struggles that um, Norfolk had on Thursday to close out the game. 
uh, against Appalachian State. They came out to haunt them. Um, they could not score in this one, and Gonzaga just, just blows them out, almost 100 points. Uh, moving on, uh, we have a matchup between two West Coast teams. Uh, we have the UCLA Bruins, again, at the 11th seed, uh, beating out the BYU Cougars, 73-62. to uh, 62. And finally, in another one of the big matchups of the night, uh, another upset here, number 14 seeded uh, Abilene Christ uh, Christian gets it done against Texas at the three seed, 53-52. to 52. Uh, For Abilene Christian, they were led by forward Joe Pleasant, 11 points from him. He'd also have seven rebounds. He would hit the game, the game winning free throws at the line again. Um, it's been won and lost so far. A lot of games have been won and lost at that free throw line. He'd also turn around and get the steal on the other end with about one second left. So Texas had about one second left. They made one inbounds play. Again, he was just happy to be there to intercept the pass. Uh, Abilene Christian was also helped out by guard, uh, Co sorry, uh, Corian Mason and also forward Clay Gaiman. They would also have nine points. Uh, Texas, uh, they would be led by guard Andrew Jones, 13 points, five assists, and three rebounds. Forward Jericho Sims would have 10 points, 11 rebounds, and two assists. And forward Kai Jones would have 11 points, two assists, and three rebounds. A couple takeaways from the game. I believe Christian would just shoot terribly in this one. I don't know how they got it done. They would shoot 29% from the field, 16% from three. They would go 10 to 12 from the free throw line again in this game. <clears throat> it made a big difference. Um, they had a strong advantage on the board as well, uh, 41 to 32. They would also have 22 offensive rebounds as well. That's a lot of second chance opportunities. Uh, they would also have 11 steals and they would force 22 turnovers. This was the most by the, by the Texas Longhorns in a game in eight seasons. So again, um, not a good look for the Longhorns. And, um, you know, and that's, again, that was how the last play played out. It was a steal. Uh, now Texas played well defensively, um, Holding Abilene Christian to low shooting totals, and also they had nine blocks. Uh, but Abilene, Abilene Christian, they move on and they get their first ever tournament win. Uh, they will face UCLA in the second round. All I got to say about that is good luck. Um, a little bit of news, though. Uh, the biggest takeaway from the first week is that the number 10 seed uh, matchup, the number 10 seed and 7 seed matchup between Oregon and Virginia Commonwealth University has been canceled. Uh, three players have tested positive from VCU, uh, have tested positive with COVID, of course, and uh, this has been in a 48-hour period. Uh, apparently, the school officials are saying it might have been uh, due to uh, the hotel that they were recently they were recently staying at during their conference tournament. Um, a lot of protocols being ignored, a lot of issues because they were also a there was also a Ohio an Ohio State basketball tournament. Uh, at least it was you know. People were being held at that same, you know, part of that same tournament were being held or that high school tournament were being held at the same hotel. So um, a lot of people, a lot of different, a lot of, diff, uh, you know, different protocols, a lot of people not following protocols. That's at least this is what the school is saying. This is the only reason that they could even, you know, you know, this their, you know, their justification. So um, that game was canceled. Oregon gets a little bit of a break. They do got to be ready to play Monday. They do move on to the second round by default. Um, and that's the biggest news uh, so far. Also, a couple things that I wanted to kind of touch upon. Um, yeah, I think, you know, Creighton is a joke. Um, they recently reinstated, of course, before the tournament, they reinstated their head coach, Greg, Mc sorry, yes, Greg McDermott. Um, despite his recent comments, um, they were able to, um, you know, like I said, they won their conference title. Uh, they won their conference, uh, sorry, their um, end of the season conference tournament 
Uh, now, he was supposed to be out indefinitely, but I guess, you know, they needed to, you know, be ready for this tournament spot. They figured this was the guy that's giving them the best success. Um, and I'm sure a lot of pl players would be like, look, man, I could just get through this and get through the pros, and I won't have to deal with this anymore. Um, and maybe that's why they're not jumping down on it. But to be honest, when we don't take this shit seriously, it just keeps it going. Um, so, again, I don't think he, you know, I, I don't think not having him there would have messed up everything. I think you have a great coaching staff surround that surrounded that team, great, you know, assistant coaches. So you might not have needed him. Um, again, I don't like the comments that he made. Uh, basically, uh, what he was referring to, he's telling the players after a loss earlier in the year, um, don't leave the plantation as though he's some type of slave master. I didn't like that. So, um, again, I guess players are thinking, you know, if I can get through this, just get to the next level, I won't have to worry about it. Um, but again, it, as long as he stays there, as long as he's having some success there, that doesn't change. His mindset doesn't change. And he's liable to say something like that again. So, um, it's a little bit, it's a little bit one of those, it's, it's, it's one of those things, you know? Um, yeah, I don't like it. I don't like it. Uh, but one more thing I want to get into right before I let you guys go, let you guys go, at least in this segment is, uh, some news coming out of Michigan state. And uh, they're going to be on some weird corporate shit going into this next basketball season. Uh, Michigan State has agreed uh, to a recent endorsement deal, uh, endorsement deal, excuse me, with Rocket Mortgage uh, revolving around the men's basketball team. This involves a name change to some extent. Since the Detroit-based uh, mortgage company will be the presenting sponsor of the team, the team will now officially be known as the MSU, Pre MSU Spartans or Michigan State Spartans presented by Rocket Mortgage. Now, I don't know if this will necessarily be said on TV or who's going to all be saying this or how it's going to be, um, you know, announced, but that's pretty much going to be their official name. This is a quote coming from the men's basketball coach himself, Tom Izzo. Uh, he just sounds like a robot with this. Rocket, Mor Rocket Mortgage has been a beloved partner for years with Michigan State, and we are excited that they are continuing to support our program into the future. As a presenting sponsor of our season, their presence will be an asset as we uh, compete for championships. That just sounds like a you know run-of-the-mill generic answer to why uh, you're being you know you know pretty much a label whore or a yeah it's just some weird corporate shit. I just want to throw that out there. I think that's weird. Yeah, whatever, guys. I'm gonna take a quick break. When we come back, we're gonna be going we're gonna be going over some NFL news, of course. We have uh, some free agency to talk about. And, of course, I want to go over some of Deshaun, my feelings about what's going on with Deshaun Watson. So I'll be right back, y'all. All right, y'all. I'm back. Uh, let's get into some NFL free agency, of course. We'll just be going over all the major moves so far. Um, uh, the One of the biggest ones, of course, is Dak re-signing with the Cowboys. Signs a four-year deal worth $160 million bucks, uh, $126 million guaranteed with a $66 million signing bonus. Of course, he's coming off that awful ankle injury. 
Um, he should be all right come day one of the 2021 season. So here's to a speedy recovery. Uh, but he's been one of, you know, the more productive Dallas quarterbacks that I've seen in a while now. Of course, you got Troy Aikman, who's won Super Bowls. But um, I think he's a solid quarterback, better than Tony Romo. Um, I think time will tell, of course, what happens. Of course, you had a, a little bit of controversy probably with this because there's so many other ways. That, I mean, I, and I've talked to Dallas fans, so um, I'm pretty sure that there's another, a lot of different ways in which they would want their money to be spent as opposed to going to Dak. This is, you know, coming from their mouths, you know, and what I observe. So, uh, but I, I personally, and in in, I've said this before, um, I'm okay with paying the, I mean, it, because again, I think people's logic and one of the, some of the things that I've heard and uh, about you know signing him is is well why sign him to so many so much money when you can spread the money out, you know sign all these different players, and uh, use the money to sign all these different players and make sure these you know top defensive players that they have are resigned and, and maybe go draft the quarterback. Well, my thing is why can't you do the opposite? Why can't you pay the money to the quarterback and draft these pieces as they come? Uh, Dak is still relatively young. Um, you know, again, in terms of quarterback aging, we see what Tom Brady can do. Uh, there's no real timetable on any real type of, I mean, of course, you know, he's definitely in his prime now. Um, but putting some younger pieces around him, I mean, he's already solid at raw receiver. I say if you, if you give him a younger defense, you know, let those pieces come together. Uh, there's still a playoff caliber team if we're looking at them offensively. Uh, they have deep enough raw receivers. Uh, they have a decent uh, running back, two-back two running back system with Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott. Um, I'm not too sure about the tight end, but, I mean, they have solid receivers. You know, so offensively, they should be okay. Um, I think defensively they could make a few changes, maybe draft, you know, some high caliber players. Um, you know, you're probably looking at a team that can at least win that conference. I mean, there's no way that Dallas can't win that. I mean, um, it'll probably be up in the air a little bit. Um, you have Washington who's made some okay moves. Um, you have that I'll get to it in just a second. Um, you you know, you have Philly there who's kind of whatever. They traded away went, so there you go. Um, and you also have the Giants there, you know, and they're going to be, you know, they're going to have Saquon Barkley back. That's going to be the best thing that they're going to that, that I can say for them. Um, so I, I like the move by Dallas. I think they can they can draft some pieces, um, you know, that they're missing. You know, they don't have to necessarily spend the money on those pieces. Uh, they could draft those pieces as well and have them, you know, ready made, you know, hopefully have them ready made to go, um, you know, by, you know, training camp or day one. I mean, there's no there's no way or at least have them um, in your rotation. Uh, and, and maybe that's what Dallas needs right now instead of just starters everywhere. I think maybe they just need rota rotational pieces anyway. So maybe it's not that bad for them. I think they need to be a little bit – I think – I mean, I would suggest that Cowboys fans be just a little bit positive because you had a you had a playoff caliber quarterback. Um, you have solid wide receivers. You have a good running game. Um, I think you can fit a, f a few pieces there on the defensive, defensive line. Um, your linebackers are good. Um Maybe add a add a couple pieces on your back on your back end, maybe a safety or something like that. Uh, you have you have you might you should have some you know cap space to get some bodies. I think you you are good enough starter wise. I, I don't I don't see why not. I think you had a lot of injuries last year, um, especially with Dak. You know, so offensively you struggled, but I, I think this team isn't that that far off. Uh, moving on, another big signing here we got with the Giants. Uh, we have, well, they end up re-signing their defensive lineman, Leonard Williams. 
Uh, last year, he have uh, he would have 15 uh, total tackles, if I'm not mistaken, leading at least the linemen on that squad. He also had a team high in sacks with 11.5. Uh, the Giants uh, would re-sign it to a three-year deal worth uh, $63 million bucks. Uh, they will also go ahead and sign wide receiver Kenny Galladay, so four years, $72 million. So, again, the, the Giants are making some moves. Uh, again, like I said, D.C. has made some moves. Um so Dallas, I mean, you know, they're making some moves as well. So we'll see what happens. I mean, um, I don't think any team has a, in terms of the NFC East, excuse me, NFC East, uh, nobody has a direct line to the, to the, to the least of the divisional championship at this point. Um, at another takeaway from free agency so far, of course, the Patriots, uh, they pretty much go big. Uh, you would pretty much call this, uh, I like, you man, taking it back to some Pokemon back in the day. You ever remember when you went to the, uh, the Savari zone, and they were like, man, um, you know, they pretty much ask you after all your runs, did you bring in a good haul? This feels like a pretty good haul, you know. Um, you know, the question is, did they get the surf? Um, they signed two tight ends, uh, Johnu Smith and Hunter Henry, both pro ball tight ends. Johnu Smith has decent numbers, so does Hunter Henry. Uh, they also uh, signed Matthew Judon, a two-time pro baller at the linebacker spot, uh, to a four-year, $56 million contract. They also signed wide receiver Nelson Aguilar to a $2 million contract, $26 million. They also signed wide receiver Kendrick Bourne as well. So uh, Cam Newton, who they did resign to a five, sorry, sorry, a one-year deal, um, you know, he will have some weapons. Um, and that's the thing because, you know, they're giving him a deal that's worth $14 million. Uh, or 15 million. However, it looks as though he was just getting five million guaranteed. There's a lot of incentives here, so um, it, it, it behooves him to take advantage of uh, some of these assets that the Patriots have gotten in for him. Uh, we're moving on. Uh, we're going to the Buccaneers. They are. They looks as though they have retained their core. Uh, first and foremost, they franchise tagged their top receiver, at least from last year, uh, Chris Godwin. Uh, they also. Um, uh, looks like they've re-signed Levante David. Uh, they gave him a two-year contract worth uh, $25 million. Uh, they also re-signed uh, one of their, another one of their top linebackers as well, uh, linebacker, sorry, uh, Shaquille, Bar Shaquille Barnett. Four years, $72 million. Uh, last year, he had 57 tackles, eight sacks. Again, all over the place defensively, part of, definitely part of that you know, Super Bowl win. Uh, they also resigned Gronk to a one-year deal as well. So all the pieces that Tom wanted, they're still there. Uh, look for another run from them into the playoffs. Some other notable re-signings. We got Green Bay. They re-signed their running back Aaron Jones, four years, 48 million. They're keeping him in the starting lineup. Uh, at Pittsburgh, we got wide receiver Juju Smith-Schuster signing a one-year deal. Uh, from what I heard, he, he turned down a, a deal, I believe, uh, I want to say, oh, it was two teams that offered him a deal. I want to say the Ravens and also, I don't want to say Dallas, but I know the Ravens were one of the teams that offered. Oh, I think Kansas City as well, if I'm not mistaken. So he had two offers from some serious contenders. Uh, he decides to stay one year in uh, Philly. Uh, this looks like a incentive-heavy deal. Um, and I think part of that reason is because, of course, the past two seasons he has been, he has fallen off. Let's just be honest. So um, I, I, I don't think that, Pittsburgh was rushing to give him some type of long-term uh, commitment uh, anytime soon. Uh, at least until next season, we'll see what happens. Uh, we also got Leonard Floyd. He will be staying with the Rams. He signs a four-year, $64 million deal there. Uh, looking at some new arrivals, though, uh, we got um, the Raiders. 
Uh, we did a couple good. We made a couple decent moves. Uh, one of them being uh, to get edge rusher Yannick Ngakwe. Uh, we got him to a two-year deal, twenty-six million. Uh, last year we have twenty-four tackles with uh, eight sacks and four four forced fumbles. Of course, he's going to be in that defensive line rotation um, that consists of Nas Crosby, Client uh, Farrell. So um, I believe no, I think we did cut Carl Nassib. So um, I think we also made a move to get. Oh, man, I want to say Quinnen Jefferson as well. Uh, I know we got a, a solid defensive tackle as well. So, again, uh, Raiders, you know, they're trying to make it make it happen. We ended up getting Kenyon Drake uh, for, our, I guess, our second and third string running back. I don't know why when we have Devontae Booker. I'm pretty comfortable with Devontae Booker. I don't know about the rest of my Raider fans, but I like him. I like Devontae Booker. But uh, we went ahead and got Kenyon Drake. Uh, you already see the Drake and Josh, Josh means online right now. Uh, that's just where we that's just where we headed. We're gonna be running the ball looks like next year. Great. Uh, wide receiver Chris Samuel he signs with the Washington football team. Also defensive back William Jackson for Curtis Samuel last season he would have 77 catches for 851 yards and three touchdowns. Um, you know Washington gets a solid wide receiver for whoever their quarterback is going to be. I don't know. Uh, both of these guys are the, were the, in the top 20 uh, in terms of value or in terms of skill level for free agents. So uh, there you go here. Uh, we also got a couple of franchise guys, meaning guys who are signed to, fr you know, franchise tenders. So just those one-year contracts just to kind of see them through. We got safety Marcus Williams with the New Orleans Saints. Last season, he would have 59 total tackles and also three interceptions. I believe that led the team. We also got wide receiver Allen Robinson, 102 catches last year. Uh, over 1,200 yards and also six touchdowns. We also got offensive guard Brandon Scherf. Uh, he's, well, he is franchise tendered by the Washington football team. And finally, we got safety Justin Simmons. Uh, he gets that franchise tag from the good old Denver Broncos. A couple other guys here that are still unsigned, at least a couple, you know, stars that I, well, at least skilled players in my opinion. Uh, we have edge, edge rusher here, Melvin Ingram, uh, a.k.a. a linebacker. He's coming off a season-ending knee injury. Of course, um, you know, I guess that's what they're trying to figure out how healthy he's going to be, what they're, you know, what they're projecting him to be. I think that's the biggest thing as to why he doesn't have a contract yet. I'm pretty sure they signed him to something, uh, if not franchise tagging, to give him some type of minimum uh, with some with some incentives. Uh, we also got Alejandro Villanueva as well. Not too sure why he hasn't uh, re-signed yet. He's just hit 30 years old. Uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, I believe he's, yeah, he's dealing with the... Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers right now. We'll see if they want to resign them. I don't see why they would. Uh, moving on, we do. I did want to touch up on some Deshaun Watson drama. And, of course, uh, for those of you who are in the know, he's been facing some sexual assault, you know, lawsuits recently or accusations. It looks as though the number has come up to 12 now. So there are currently 12 sexual assaults lawsuits all brought forth by attorney Tony Busby. Oh, that's the Houston area. And uh, this is where I have an issue. For those of you who are reading in between the lines, Busby is a friend of the McNair family, starting with Bob McNair, who passed away about a couple years ago. Um, another issue that I have here is that he's already attempted to settle with Watson for six figures. Okay. My thing is, I, I don't know how this necessarily works, but uh, my suggestion um, and something that makes me very, very wary about some of these situations is that they are going instead of going to the police or instead of going to somebody's boss, 
again, I don't see any. I, again, I don't see any comment from these victims that they went to, you know, his his training staff or or the owner of the Cowboys himself or a GM or a coach. I don't hear anybody saying that they did all that, but they, of course, went to this attorney who's going to just, you know, turn around and say, well, let's get a lawsuit. No criminal charges, no nothing, but they want, you know, a, a settlement. Those are issues that I have here. There's a quote coming from um, Tony Busby. You know, he would go on to say, we actually uh, had a contract, uh, sorry, actually had contact with Deshaun Watson's uh, agent slash lawyer who minimized these allegations. I wonder why. We wanted to we wanted to resolve the matter without a lawsuit. So how did you wish for that to you know be handled? A direct settlement slash payment? Get the fuck out of here. That's what they wanted. Okay, they didn't want to go make it a lawsuit because okay, let's read the rest of the quote. We um, without lawsuit, without any publicity. They didn't want a lawsuit. They didn't want no publicity. We knew that once we filed a lawsuit, Texas, of course, will have an open court provision in their state constitution. So all lawsuits are public. But you knew that. You're double talking, Mr. Busby, because you're scamming. Sorry, fam. Um, again, I know 12 women is a lot, blah, blah, blah. Um, I need I need direct accounts. I hear really vague kind of, you know, situations in, in terms of uh you know, improper contact. And there's a story where she tried, he tried to kiss her. No real details, just really vague and no police report. Even Houston police has said that, oh, guess what? They haven't even been formally contacted by Busby. Wow. But they wanted to get that settlement check though. But there was there a crime. I don't know. I don't know guys. Uh, I, women, I, I, if somebody touches you the wrong way or sexually assaults you take it to the police i don't know why you're you're wasting your time trying to be oh because it's about is it about money or is it about justice did he really did he really take advantage of you or you just want some cash you want a quick fix i'm sorry and as far as this situation is concerned um the dude is a friend of the family of the fan the, fa uh, the family of the owners of the team you want to know what the situation is with the Texans right now? They have to trade this man. He doesn't want to play for him. So what they're going to do, they what they wanted to do, or they're trying to do, is trying to sue him to break him to break off some of the cash that they had to uh to get to him when they re-signed into that big ass deal. That's all what it's about. It's really bad politics, man. It's really it's really getting to be out of control. Uh, to be honest with you, because uh, this is this is this is you know almost um lessening the impact of what really goes on and you don't want to play that game i mean this stuff there's really stuff that's seriously going on out here and we need to be if, if this stuff is truly you know real then we need to be going to make police reports stop going to the media stop going to attorneys to, to sue somebody go to the police and press charges how about that if it's really that serious how about that do that because if you want to look at the statistics nobody wants to hear these statistics i know a lot of women not, might not want to hear this but the statistics are going to tell us that the majority of men doing this is people that y'all know. So that should be easy enough for you to go to the motherfucking police and say, this motherfucker touched me. It's that simple. It's, it's up to you what you want to do. Um, as far as this situation here, uh, family friend being the attorney Busby, um, no police reports. They haven't, like I said, Houston police has confirmed that they have not officially been contacted by this attorney or his or, or been given notice of what he's trying to do. Oh, it's bullshit. I'm sorry. Deshaun Watson has already said that they tried to settle with him 
with for six figures. This situation right here, I can't speak for every one of these situations that are gonna pop up in the future, but this one right here, I can't fuck with this one. Uh, free Deshaun Watson and trade him ASAP. This is some bullshit, Houston, and I don't like it. Y'all don't think y'all don't think we could read between the lines, but I can't. Somebody like me can't. I don't like that shit. I don't really like it. Trade him and call it a day. Stop being mad because you don't want to fuck with y'all. Y'all the ones that don't know how to run a football team. And you will see what happens after he gone. You still going to suck. Watch. You still going to suck. Don't matter what, how much you got out of him. Don't matter how much you watch. As soon as he you still going to suck. Houston is always going to be trash because they don't know how to run a football team. So, you know what? That's how I feel um, about them. They weak. Let's move on. Let's go talk about some baseball before I get really heated. Because, you know, that's some bullshit. That's some bullshit, man. So, let's break down some MLB. Uh, we are in the midst of, of course, Cactus League baseball, spring training. I wanted to break down each team, um, you know, starting or well, going division by division. So, tonight, uh, we'll be breaking down the AL West. Uh, just kind of breaking down who this team was last, well, each team was last year, stats and all that, who's coming back, uh, who's going to be in the lineup, who's in the rotation, who's in the bullpen, yada, 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 so on and so forth. So just some overall info about each team. Uh, so we're going to start off with the Oakland A's. Uh, they finished 36-24 and 24 last season. They were first in the AL West, uh, but they lo would lose in the wild, card, uh, the wild card round two games to one to the Chicago, to the Chicago White Sox. Uh, at a glance, this team is projected to finish second in the AL West. I don't agree with that. Uh, that's according to a lot of different sources, one of them being AthlonSports.com. I don't really agree with that, uh, but we'll just have to see how things play off. Play out, excuse me. Um, they did lose their uh, starting shortstop, Marcus Simeon, and also uh, pitcher Liam Hendricks to free agency, but they did bring in four more pitchers. Well, they did, sorry, they did bring back four pitchers. Uh, Chris Bassett, Sean Manea, Jesus Luzardo, and Frankie Modas all uh, all contributed uh, to the rotation and or bullpen last season. Um, the projected lineup, of course, uh, we have uh, center fielder Ramon Laureano, uh, right fielder Steven Sp uh, Piscotti, excuse me, uh, left fielder Mark Canha, and also uh, catcher Sean Murphy. Uh, last year, he had a, a stat line of 233 as an average, uh, 364 on, on base percentage, and also a 457 slugging percentage with seven home runs and also 14 RBIs. Uh, Matt Olson at the first base, uh, he was their power hitter with 14 home runs. He would also have 42 RBIs. Uh, Tony Kent will be your starting uh, second baseman with a 247 uh, average, 363 on base, and also a 301 slugging. We also got um, a shortstop, uh, Elvis Andrews, that we got via trade with the Angels. And, of course, uh, at third base, we have Matt Chapman. Um, as far as the rotation is concerned, we have Chris Bassett. Uh, he last year he was five and two uh, in terms of wins and losses. He would have a 2.29 ERA with a WHIP of 1.15 with 55 strikeouts. Shamanea, of course, like I said, in the in the mix as well with a 1.2 WHIP. Uh, so really, what a WHIP uh, what WHIP means is just walks and hits uh, per innings pitch. So. Um, so he's only given up. So Bassett and Sean only given up one hit or a walk. So, uh, walks and well, sorry, hits and walks turn into runs because people are on bases. Uh, so again, um, nobody really gets on base with these guys. Uh, that's one of their, uh, their key things that the A's have been working on the past few years. They've been having a really great rotation years beforehand. They've been having just really power. They've been having uh power hitting lineups. And now they're focusing on pitching. It's just kind of the, the way that they kind of go. 
Uh, Jesus Lazardo, uh, he was second on the team in terms of strikeouts with 59. Uh, we also got uh, Mike Fears here. Uh, he had a 6-3 win and loss record, 6-3 win loss record. And then also with Frankie Motas, uh, he would lead the team in strikeouts with 60. So got four guys coming back that are really good in terms of pitching. Um, looking at their bullpen, they're bringing in Trevor, Trevor Rosenthal. He will be their closer. Uh, Jake Diekman will be uh, in the bullpen as well. He had a .42 ERA with 31 strikeouts. We also got Sergio Roma, uh, Mario Petit. Uh, he had a 1.6 ERA last season. We also got Adam Kolarek, J.B. Wendelkin. He had 31 Ks uh, last year, a.k.a. strikeouts, 31 strikeouts, and a 1.80 ERA. We also got Lou uh, Trevino and also James uh, Cap uh, uh running out that bullpen. Couple notes on the team. Uh, they had a combined ERA, uh, meaning their rotation in their bullpen uh, had a combined ERA of 3.77, which was fourth in the American League. Uh, they also were eighth in the league uh, in total runs with 274, seventh in on base percentage. So, middle of the road uh, in terms of some of these stats. But they were, uh, one thing that they did struggle was getting hits overall. Um, 14th in hits. Uh, with just 430, and they were also 14th in batting average as well with just 225. Uh, a recent update on the team, though, uh, Ramon, uh, sorry, Ramon Loriano at the center fielder. Uh, the center field position is dealing with a quad injury. Um, he did have a, re a recent MRI, and he should be returning by next week. Uh, but just, uh, yeah, that's just the main update right now. But the A is looking good. I personally haven't finished in first. That's kind of where my opinion is at. I think the Rock, uh, sorry, the Astros are kind of slowly falling apart, in my opinion. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, let's look at the, speaking of the Astros, let's take a look at them, by the way. Um, last season, they would finish 29-31. and 31. They would finish second in the AL West. Uh, they are, they have multiple contracts set to end this season uh, with shortstop Carlos Correa. Uh, we also got pitchers Lane McCullers and also Zach Gr uh, Grinke. Their contracts will come to an end this year. Uh, we also got Justin Verlander. This might be his last season as well. Uh, I'm not too sure how much action he'll be getting this year because he's still dealing with an elbow injury. Uh, but for manager Dusty Baker, uh, this could be his chance to, to make some history this year. He is 108 uh, wins away uh, from reaching 2,000. Uh, if he's able to do this, he will be the 12th coach in MLB history to do so. Uh, this will be his final year on his contract as well. Uh, so look at the Astros, uh, looking at their starting lineup at the center field spot, they will have Miles Straw. Uh, they will have Michael Brantley at the left field. Uh, last year, he had a split of some hidden splits of 300, 364, and also 476. Uh, his 476 slugging, sorry, uh, his 476 slugging was decent. Uh, he would have five home runs and 22 RBIs. Uh, right fielder Kyle Tucker would have nine homers last year. Uh, he would have a 268 average, which would lead the team. He would also have 42 RBIs. Um, at um, excuse me, at first base you have Yuli Gurriel. Second base, of course, we have the All Star uh, Jose Altuve. Uh, at third base, we have another. Uh, sorry, another. Um, sorry, All Star Alex Bregman. At shortstop, of course, we have Carlos Correa. At uh, catcher, we have Jordan Castro. And at the DH spot, we have Jordan Alvarez. Uh, part of the rotation is going to be consisting of Zach Grinke and, of course, like I said, Lane McCullers. Uh, they're both for 3-3 three three last year. Uh, Grinke would have 67 strikeouts with a 4.03 ERA. McCullers would have a 3.93 ERA. Also running out that rotation is you're going to have uh, 
Jose uh, Ikirdi. He would also have a 2.73 ERA. So they have some decent pitchers there in Houston. Uh, nothing to take away from them. Uh, I will say this, though. Um, well, let's talk about their bullpen real quick. Uh, their closer this year will be Ryan Presley. Uh, he would have 29 uh, strikeouts last year with a 3.3, uh, 3.4 ERA. He would also have a whip of 1.3. He also got Blake Taylor in the mix as well with a 2.18 ERA. Um, as far as his team looked last year, they were seventh in the AL in team ERA. Like I said, their pitching was pretty good. Uh, they also were six in strikeouts with 526, but they were middle of the road in terms of uh, or near the bottom in terms of offensive stats like RBIs and team average and stuff like that. So uh, struggled hitting the ball last year. Uh, but again, just kind of like the A's where they had a, a pretty decent, well, really good uh, pitching staff, though. Uh, let's move on. Uh, let's go to the Angels. Uh, last year, they would finish 26 and 34. That would put them in fourth in the AL West. And... Uh, Looking at this team at a glance, I think the biggest question for them is, are they wasting Mike Trout? Um, now, Mike Trout has had numerous individual awards. He's been the Rookie of the Year. He's a three-time MVP. Uh, but as a team, the Angels have just gone 70, sorry, 721 and 708, so just barely over 500 since his arrival. And they are 0-3 in the playoffs, and their last appearance was just in 2014. The team also has had three managers in that that span of time since he's been there. Um, this is a quote coming from an AL scout. This is pretty much how they feel about the team right now. Their starter stayed healthy last season, uh, which is always their problem, but it's still far away from a championship rotation. So there you go. Uh, Shio Yotani, uh, also a player who's been struggling for the Angels. Uh, his debut uh, was at with the Angels was to be as the next great two-way player. Uh, playing at the, the, the sorry the designated hitter spot and also uh, pitching as well, uh, but he hasn't lived up to the hype just yet uh, since his 2018 debut. Um, he was the AL Rookie of the Year, um, and he did have 22 home runs and also a 3.31 ERA that year. Uh, but I spent most of the time because of injury at the DH spot. And last year, like I said, he definitely struggled uh, with a hitting split of 190, 291, and 366 with just seven home runs and also a 34 RBIs. So let's take a look at the lineup. Of course, we have Mike Trout coming back. Uh, he has a hitting split of 281, 390, and 422 with an OPS, meaning uh, this is pretty much his offensive percentage. Um, this is uh, slugging and on-base percentage. So 151 for him, 17 home runs, and also 47 RBIs. We got left fielder Justin Upton, right fielder uh, Dexter Fowler. We got the OG Albert Pujols at the first base. Uh, we have second baseman David Fletcher and also third baseman Anthony Rendon. Uh, 286 average, 418 on-base percentage, and also a 497 slugging percentage with nine home runs and 31 RBIs last season. The catcher is going to be Max Seishi, and of course, at the DH spot, we're going to have uh, Shie Otani. Uh, Shie Otani will also be a part of the rotation as well. Uh, but leading that rotation, we got Andrew uh, Andrew Haney. He would go four of three last season with 70, 70 strikeouts, and also Dylan Bundy. He would go six of three last year with a 3.62 ERA and also a WHIP of uh, 1.036. And also 72 strikeouts. Uh, you also got Alice Cobb in there as well, who they recently added from a trade. Uh, in terms of the bullpen, we have uh, Rysel Iglesias, who will be their uh, their closer. Uh, we got Ty Buttery, who had five uh, saves last year. Also a uh, well significantly high ERA, though. We had 
You also got Mike Mayers here. He will lead the bullpen with 43 strikeouts. He also had a 210 ERA and a .900 whip. There you go. Some team stats here. Uh, they would finish eighth uh, in the league uh, with uh, runs batted in. Oh, sorry. Uh, sorry. Let's take that. Let's, let's disregard that stat. They finished 13th in earned runs, uh, earned runs in terms of pitching, um, 297. Oh, yes, they were 8th in the league in walks, so they gave up a lot of walks last year. That's what I wanted to say. Uh, they were 7th in strikeouts, though. They gave up, they had a lot of strikeouts with 523. Um, in terms of offensive stats, uh, they were 5th in batting average, 2nd in on-base percentage. They also 5th in slugging, um, and they had 85 team home runs, and that was good enough for 5th in the league. So they hit really well last year, but their pitching staff did not come to play, which pretty much mirrors what the scouts said. They don't really have a championship pitching rotation so there you go with the angels uh, as far as the angels are concerned i got them finishing near the bottom of uh the al west as well uh again nothing really stands out to me except for maybe anthony rendon and of course you have mike trout um the pitching staff like i said leaves a lot to be desired um although the numbers weren't that bad kind of um just didn't win a lot of games so it's weird uh, moving on, uh, we have the Mariners here. They will finish third in the uh, AL West uh, with a record of 27-33. and 33. Um, This is the end of the Kyle Seager, Seager era, one of their better players over the past, I would say, decade or so, uh, the third uh, the third base spot here. Um, he is expected to be, like I said, this is expected to be his last season. Who knows where he goes. Uh, but since his, since his time in Seattle, he's hit, he's hit 200 home runs, 700 RBIs, and 500 extra base hits. So anything like a double, triple, etc. Um, as far as as far as the lineup is concerned, uh, they will be headed up by Kyle Lewis, uh, the center fielder. He was a Rookie of the Year last season uh, with a hitting split of 262, 364, and also 437 for in terms of slugging. Uh, he had an OPS of 126. Uh, he also led the team in home runs with 11. He also had 28 RBIs. We also got left fielder Jared Kellenick, right fielder Mitch uh, Hanniger, uh, first baseman Evan White, second baseman Dylan Moore. You also got shortstop J.P. Crawford, another brother here, uh, 255 ER, sorry, 255 average, 336 on base percentage, and also a 338 slugging percentage. Of course, we got Kyle Seager here. Uh, he will lead the team in RBIs last year with 40. We also got catcher Tom Murphy and the de sorry designated hitter uh, Ty France. Uh, as far as the rotation is concerned, we got Marco Gonzalez. Uh, he would go seven to seven to two last year. Three ten ERA, uh, zero point nine four seven WHIP, and he also had sixty four strikeouts, which led the team. Uh, we also got Justice Sheffield. He would have four, he would go four three with a three point five eight ERA. He also had forty eight Ks. Uh, we also got James Pax uh, James Paxton and Yusei Kikuchi uh, in the rotation as well. Of course, that's the, the main guys. Uh, in the bullpen, uh, we have Rafael Montero, who will be the closer. Uh, King and Middleton. We also got Johan Ramirez, 2.60 ERA, 26 strikeouts. And Anthony uh, Misovic, last year he would have 25 strikeouts and a 1.3 whip. So some solid pitchers here. Uh, let's look at the team stats, though. The team ERA was 12th in the league last year, uh, 503 overall. Uh, they were 14th in strikeouts uh, with just 469. They also have 289 earned runs, uh, which was a lot. Uh, the team uh, team splits in terms of batting, uh, 226, 301, and 370. So 
13th, 12th, and 14th, respectively, of course. The 226, that being their batting average, of course. Uh, the 370 at the end here, that being their slugging. Uh, they only had 60 home runs last year. So not a lot of base hits, not a lot of extra base hits, hits not a lot of runs uh, generated offensively. This team was probably one of the worst, just kind of looking at it, what I'm seeing right here. Um, and not just the AL in baseball in total. Just being honest. Uh, let's move on to the Rangers. They finished last last season, 22-38. and 38. Um, This is a quote coming uh, from a AL scout. Uh, their core from the last few years just isn't getting it done, and they're eager to move on. I love the idea of shifting Isaiah Kenner-Falefa, uh, a gold glove third baseman, over to shortstop. So they're making some moves, uh, and it's obvious that the play that they've had for a while now, what you're getting here, ain't been getting it done. Uh, they recently hired a new GM for the first time since 2005, Chris Young. He was also a player uh, for the uh, the Texas the Rangers as well. I wonder if he's who I'm thinking about. I could be wrong, but he seems the name is familiar. Um, he's gonna be that's gonna be their first GM that they've hired um, in many years. Uh, the team will also make a push towards analytics and research and development. Again, they're getting futuristic with it. Uh, pretty much. The Rangers have been behind the times. That's what I'm getting here. Um, in terms of their starting lineup, we have David Dahl in the center field spot, uh, left fielder Willie Calhoun, uh, right fielder Joey Gallo, uh, who had 10 home runs last year, which led the team. He would also have 26 RBIs. You got Nate Lowe at the first of the first base spot. Uh, second baseman, we got Nick Solak. Third baseman, Runed Odor, with 30 RBIs last year. That led the team. Uh, we also got, like I said before, at the shortstop, uh, they switched it up. They got Isaiah Kinnair Falfea. Uh, he had a hitting split of 280, 329, also 370. And at the, uh, the catcher spot, we got Jose Trevino. Uh, in terms of the rotation, we got Kyle Gibson. Uh, again, struggled last season, 2 of 6. In terms of his win-loss record, 535 ERA, 13 hits. Uh, sorry. 13 home runs he gave up and also 31 uh, earned runs in total. Uh, a couple other a couple other members of the of the rotation, uh, Cody. We got Kyle Cody and also Taylor Hearn. Uh, let's make our way to the bullpen. We got um, Jose Jose Leclerc. He'll be the closer. Jonathan Hernandez. He will go five one as a member of the starting rotation last year. Uh, they would demote him. Don't really know why. Uh, he had a one point, sorry, a, a one five seven ERA plus. He also had a one point zero three two WHIP last year with a two point nine ERA. Don't really know why he's not in the starting rotation. That's uh, that's that's the Rangers for you. That's why they suck. Uh, we also got Jimmy Herget as well. He had a three point two ERA. Uh, a couple other members of the bullpen, Joe Gatto and also Joey Rodriguez as well. A couple of notes to take away from this team. Uh, they just had 10 saves from that bullpen last season, which was last in the AL. Uh, they were 12th in strikeouts with 489, and they were also 11th in Team ERA. Uh, sorry, yes, 11th in Team ERA, and also they gave up 288 earned runs. In terms of offense, the team uh, had hitting splits of 217, 285, and also 364, all last in the AL. And they just scored two, uh, 224 runs last season, again, also last in the AL. Um, yeah, this team, again, just like what the scout said, the core ain't been getting it done. They have made some moves. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen with them, though. <laughs> I don't know what to say. All right, y'all. I'm going to take another quick break, and I'm going to wrap everything up tonight. Uh, I'm going to be talking some Kirk Franklin, and then, of course, 
I got some of that really grinds my gears. So, y'all stay tuned. I'll be right back. Recently, within the past week, maybe it's been two now, uh, Kirk Franklin was recently in the news for how he uh, recently got at his son. Uh, apparently, his son posted this video online with him cussing at him and going bad on him for some reason. Now, I don't know what uh, their issue is. I don't know how far it goes back, although you will hear different sides of the story. Uh, that's not my place to necessarily get into it all like that. I don't know all that. I don't know the two people personally, uh, but just kind of what I see, you know, and just kind of what I observe and, you know, kind of what I've been through. Um, Kurt was wrong for what he said, I feel. I know there's a lot of people that's going to say, well, he's a parent. He's this, that, and the other. Well, fine, but he's a grown-ass man. His son is 33. Um... I think once you get past 30, there's a, there's a lot of shit that you just don't want to hear no more. And you don't need to be told certain shit. And you don't need to have somebody yelling at you, saying all type of crazy shit to you. That's a little bit disrespectful. Um, that is disrespectful. And just because you're somebody's parent don't mean you just get to go off and just disrespect them. Because my, my question to any parent is, who else you going to talk to like that? You, you going to talk to your boss like that? You going to talk to other motherfuckers in the street like that? You going to talk to other grown men like that? I know you don't. So let's just not let's let's not say let's not say that we you know let's not say that for our kids you know what I'm saying, um, you know it's there's two adults, they should be, they should have been able to talk about it, and reason to some extent. I don't like the son's move of putting it online either. I thought that was I mean I I think that is a bitch move. I think that kind of almost um, makes his dad's point. I think what he should have done was said, oh, okay, I have an issue with how you talk to me and go straight up to him and handle it. Because I, I think that is disrespectful how, how Kirk was talking to him. I don't think any grown man should be talking to any other grown man like that unless he intends on fighting him or has really serious, significant issues with him that maybe can't be solved like that. And it's, that's toxic. Um, I don't like the son's behavior. Again, I don't like the son's behavior putting it online. I think that's a little, he's too grown for that to be trying to, you know, put somebody in a certain light like that. To me, I mean, to be honest, if it was me, I'd cut off the phone because he got me fucked up. Or I'd tell him, like, on the like you got me fucked up and you need to calm that shit down. Like, again, because, I mean, again, I, I don't know their relationship. um, But I'm not going to have this no grown man just yelling at me, calling all me type of names. I don't care about his relationship with me. I don't care about, I mean, again, y'all might take it and all that. I mean, I'm pretty sure y'all don't have y'all's fathers talking to you at that at some point in your life. Uh, maybe their relationship is a little bit different. He might, you know, need his father for something like that. And I don't know. I don't know. But um, if you're not going to talk to your employer that way, if you ain't going to talk to other random motherfuckers in the street like that, why talk to your kid that way just because you can? Um, 12-year-old kid, 10-year-old kid that you really raising and, and, and trying to put through something, 
I kind of get it. I kind of get it when you're checking them and say, don't do that dumb shit. Don't do that retarded or whatever. Uh, you acting the fuck up, calm the fuck. Those type of things I get. But I, I think for a grown man, um, that was, I think Kirk took it a little bit too far for a grown man. I'm sorry. Um, and I think that's why he, he initially, he, that's why I think he did come out. Because um, it does make you look a certain way. It does make you look toxic. And again, I, I'm pretty sure people are going to say, well, that's his father. He, but again, not to a grown man. I'm sorry. I, I I do not agree with that. And I would not want my, I'm blessed uh, that I don't have those issues with my father or my grandfather to the point where they coming after me. Like, that's all I can say. Um, but I, I got to say that I got to say this, that there is some dysfunction. Um, whether, you know, again, because you'll have the son. I mean, apparently, according to the son. Uh, Kirk might have not have been around. Um, I've been hearing lately that that might not be true or whatever. Um, I, again, that's not for me to say. Um, and it's kind of it's, and it kind of sucks that his son kind of did put that out there. So we have this conversation because, to be honest, I I took a lesson um, from Godfather Two. And again, I I, I mean, you. I, it's funny because you you hear you hear these things being said around you, but sometimes you don't get it until it's somebody else or you hear it from a TV show or a movie. Um, you never go against the family, outside of the family. Okay, so when somebody's around, like that's not related, that's not your partner. Like let's say for instance, you know you and your your your, your dad is is as having a disagreement. You don't come out of your you don't come out of your 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 comfort zone or, you know, you don't go too flying off the handle and start saying all this shit about your father. Well, you did this and you did that. Expose him in front of these strangers and vice versa. If you're the father, you don't do that to your son. Okay. Um, and I, and I hate to say that this is, I mean, because you're going to have this old school, new school thing. I think that's retarded. That's just a way to keep people kind of separate. Let's get out of that. It's what's right and what's wrong. It's what's about what's respectful. Uh, again, I don't... I'm just going to flat out say it right now. I, a parent should not be talking to a grown person like that. Again, uh, that's how you end up fucking up your relationship. And I don't... I, I would not be surprised is if, if it was up to that son and he had a chance to, ch to, to decide, I, I, he might put Kurt in the home for some shit like that. Because he can't... I mean, again, he should have... Again, I mean, I could see it happening, but... Um, when you're in a situation like that, you gotta be able to calm the fuck down and, and handle it later. And I know Kurt, he didn't know, he didn't know he was being recorded. So I can't, you know, really say that. That's why I kind of, I'm getting at the sun too. Both of these parties are wrong. Nobody's right. Okay, guys. That's not what I'm telling you. I'm not, I'm not telling you Kurt is wrong in the sense of what he was saying. I get what he was saying. I get it. But you gotta think he's grown and it just don't sound right. You coming off to a grown motherfucker like that. Cause I don't think I, I, I'm just saying like this. If Kurt was my father talking to me like that, I, again, given the situation, maybe, maybe bruh did something to set him off. I don't know that per se, but if I'm in a situation where I'm on my own, you know, as a man and I'm taking care of myself, I don't want to hear that type of shit coming from another grown man. I don't want to hear no man talking to me like that. If I'm in a situation, we might even live together in the same house, but I'm putting in my own, I'm chipping into what goes on in this house. I don't think I want to hear somebody talk to me like that. That would fuck up my relationship with that person. I'm just being honest. And it's not about, and again, he, he might've did something wrong. I get it. Right. We gotta be able to do it again. When your employer is wrong, are you talking to your employer like that? No, you're not. 
When other motherfuckers do something to you in the street, are you going to go that bad on them? No. So, that, I mean, to go here on your grown-ass adult son, I, again, I don't like the way, I don't, again, I don't like how cuz put him online, but I definitely think Kurt was wrong for talking about him. I got to keep stressing it. And, again, for, for guys that are going through that, talk face-to-face. Fuck all that. I'm gonna put you online. No, you check. If you if you feel like you gotta check him, check somebody. Or you have a personal, private conversation. You say, "Look, Dad, you got me fucked up. I don't know what happened, but listen, you can't be talking to me like that." And I'm sorry. I know people think that they can, but you'd be surprised how we really don't like that shit. The older that we get, y'all. I'm sorry, especially black parents. We don't like that shit, y'all. So if you really want to fuck up relationships, go ahead and keep talking to us like we 12 and 13. We're not having that. You're not going to be talking to me around my kids like that. You ain't going to be talking to me around my woman like that. Nah, bro. Nah, Kirk. <laughs> Little short-ass Kirk. I swear, I'm glad he ain't my daddy. He, cause that, if you ask me, it's toxic. Whatever they got going on, it's toxic. That's the only reason you got that type of reaction going on, that type of behavior from both of them going on like that. All right, y'all. Time to wrap everything up for tonight. You want to know something that gets on my gears, that grinds my gears, like I'm Peter Griffin in this mug? When people confuse Washington State with Washington, D.C. Now, I get why you do it. It sounds similar, Washington, Washington, D.C. But you do know we are talking about two separate types of land in two different parts of the country. Okay, guys? Now, Washington State is is located in the Pacific Northwest, just right north of Oregon and south of the border to Canada. On the West Coast, y'all, it's also bordered by Iowa, sorry, Idaho, to the east, okay? Washington, D.C., on the other hand, is on the completely other side of the country, okay? About a few hours south of New York, couple hours away from Philadelphia okay that's what we're saying here Washington is a state it's a it's you know it's what it is home to 7.6 million people it has a state capital which is Olympia different thing than Washington DC it is called Washington District of Columbia so Washington is just the city the District of Columbia is the federal land that they own with all the, the capitals and the buildings and and all the federal buildings, the IRS, the Federal Bank, Pentagon. About the same amount of people live in the D.C. metro area, about six million. So they got some they got some little, you know, similarities. OK, but we're talking about two totally different areas of the world, well, at least of this country. Okay, Washington is known as the Evergreen State. Why? Because all the trees got there. It's temperate rainforest all over the pretty much the western half of the state. You got the Cascade and the Pacific Mountain Ranges. The highest point there is an active volcano. Mount Rainier, 14,411 feet. That's the second biggest mountain next to Mount McKinley in Alaska. You also got a semi-arid basin in the eastern part of the state where all the agriculture is at. So they do farming in Washington. They do a lot of stuff in Washington. Did you know Washington pro produces the second most amount of wine next to California? Washington, D.C. ain't got no vineyards. 
You don't really get, well, it got woods. I would, I mean, if I were to be a geography type of person, I call Washington, D.C., the area of Washington, D.C., if I'm, you know, again, using geographical term, called Eastern Lowland Woodlands, okay? The below the, the below the, you know, the sea level, there's some woods there. It's not what you call the Piedmont that you would call the Virginia, you know, geography. There's no real hills there in Washington, D.C. The biggest, the highest point in D.C. is a hill, and that's when it goes to like four, you know, like 400 and something feet. So nothing really, nothing really major. Um, what, do, what D.C. does have uh, is they do have the Arboretum, uh, which is pretty much like a tree sanctuary. You see all different types of trees and plants from around the world. Uh, you also have one of the nation's largest urban parks there, the Rock Creek Park. Uh, or, sorry, uh, sorry, um, yeah, uh, Rock Creek Park, pretty much known as an urban forest. Um, it's like a little uh, sanctuary. We got all the trees. You got, you know, um, all types of uh, plant life. Uh, you do have, got owls there, all different types of birds, even coyotes there at Rock Creek Park. You also got Kenilworth Park. Uh, in the aquatic gardens over there on the Acacia, uh, the Anacostia River, where you got the uh, amphibians, birds, certain types of fish. You got herons uh, for birds, shorebirds, sparrows. Um, you also got beavers and muskrats that you can find over there, minks, deer, foxes. Uh, you also got coyotes over there too. So um, now you got some nature in D.C., but a lot more in Washington State. It's like, I mean, again, Washington is a big old state. Uh, you got like four or five different national parks. They're huge. You know what I'm saying? So there's a lot of differences here. Uh, again, also with the founding, Washington, D.C., again, being the nation's capital, uh, their history all the way goes back to pretty much, you know, late 1700s. Uh, the first Congress uh, was convened there, I believe, 1801. And, um, you know, Oh, and Washington, D.C. was designed by a black man, Benjamin Banneker. Matter of fact, black people have a lot to do with the history of both states. Uh, one of the first major pioneers uh, to the Washington, the state, the area of Washington, the state, was a black man. His name was George Washington Bush. Go tell you, go, go figure. Um, now, in terms of blacks in Washington, the state, uh, they typically live in the, the areas of Seattle and Tacoma, also in other areas in King County. Um, in terms of demographics, of course, you know, Washington State, of course, has a majority of white folk. Almost 80%, 4% black, uh, almost 9% Asian. You had a large uh, Asian-American community there. Uh, you, do, you also have uh, the second, well, actually the largest group here uh, being Latino or Hispanic, uh, with 9% of those people being Latino and, uh, well, sorry, Mexican. And uh, the Mexicans, a lot of them live in the eastern half of the state, like in the Yakima Valley, uh, where there is uh, agriculture. So um, you have that. In terms of Washington, D.C., it's a lot different. Uh, Washington, D.C. has always been known as Chocolate City because it's always been a majority of blacks, uh, I want to say, since the 1950s. But it's all even before that period of time, it was always 30 percent or more black. Uh, at one point in time, if we look at it. Uh, they were as high, uh, the percentage of black folks there was about as high as about 76%. Uh, it has gone down to about 50. Uh, a lot of those people ended up moving not so far away, though. Uh, they only moved to, like, places in Maryland and Virginia, all the little uh, suburbs of Maryland and Virginia and stuff like that. 
DC people though are all the only people that I know that'll that'll move to a different state and then be like, look, a few years later, I'm gonna go back to DC or like somewhere around the area because that's just what they do. They love DC. Um, a lot of differences here. I mean, there's no. I'm tired of people getting this misconstrued. Uh, a couple months ago, my pops was sending some money to on freaking what you call it? Oh, what you call it? American Express, not American Express, but you know, Western Union, they got it wrong. They sent his money to Washington, somewhere in Washington State. I was talking to some girl a couple weeks ago. She didn't know what the hell I was talking about. I was referring to places in Washington, D.C. She thought I was crazy, making shit up. I'm like, how do y'all get this shit confused? Like, we talking about two totally different worlds here. Let's talk about weather, for example. Now, the weather in Washington, it's raining all the time. Almost like, especially in the winter, like all day. It snows sometimes a little bit. It don't get too hot. Average summertime temperature is about 71 degrees, you know. Sometimes it get the hottest 101, if, depending on where you at in the eastern part of the state. But if you go to D.C., it feels, it, I call, like I called it before, eastern woodlands, you know. some wood, It's wooded. It's a wooded area, but it feels like a swamp. Swear to God. Summertime temperatures ain't got to be up to about barely 80 degrees. But you got 70% humidity. If you live in D.C. or if you visit D.C., man, you will understand that when we when we say it feels like a swamp, you will understand it. You will feel sweat. You will wake up in the morning, sweat. You will go to bed at night, sweat. Matter of fact, it's so not it's so uncomfortable in a lot of in a lot of times, in a lot of cases, a lot of people just stay inside all day, especially in the summer. Again, if you're not working, you ain't you know whatever. You in the house, and then at nighttime, everybody and their mama come out and they chilling on the porch. That's DC style. I don't know what they do in Washington. I don't go there too. I don't go to Washington State too often. But on this channel, just so there's no confusion, I will be saying whenever I mention Washington DC, I'm gonna say DC, just DC. And then if I ever refer to Washington as the state, I'll probably refer to a city that's there first. Okay, like Seattle. You also got a city like Spokane. I'll mention the city first and then, of course, Washington. Because you'll know. If I just say D.C., I'm talking about D.C. Because I, I don't see how people get this confused, man. I really don't. I really don't, y'all. You know, Washington State is right there next to the Pacific Ocean. Washington, D.C. ain't really got no ocean because it's in between two states. Maryland and Virginia. Matter of fact, it's like inside both states. <laughs> so... Uh, it's not that hard, y'all. It's just geography. And I just wanted to speak my mind because it just gets on my nerves sometimes. Okay, y'all? <laughs> All right, y'all. I had a good night talking to y'all. I'm going to sign off for now. Uh, if you are looking to get in touch with me, you can hit me up on the email at ljbutler75 at uh, gmail.com. E-L-J-B-U-T-L-E-R 75 at gmail.com. You can also check out my YouTube channel as well. I have a new installment of my, um, my Eddie Murphy month. Well, I say Eddie Murphy month slap me Martin Lawrence month check out my newest installment of upon further review I did life one of my favorite movies of all time uh, Eddie Murphy is in that one that's why his name came to mind too but um, check that out uh, show me some love show me some report show me some support uh, you can also follow me on Instagram as well at ljamah791 e-l-j-a-m-a-h 791 all right, y'all. I will try to come back tomorrow night or Monday night. Uh, just depending on how I'm feeling after work tomorrow. 
I do work a short hour, a four hour shift tomorrow, but uh, it's at six in the evening. So I'll be getting off around 10, uh, 1030 actually. So we'll see how I feel that everything is all set and done. Uh, if I, you know, if not, then you will hear from me tomorrow night. Uh, sorry, Monday night. All right, y'all. Uh, and also Monday night, I'll probably be going over. Yes, I'm going over part two of the of my MLB preview. Uh, probably the N the NL West. Uh, definitely round two of the NCAA tournament. And whatever news comes my way, we're gonna definitely dissect it for a little bit. Um, I'm gonna keep working on uh, my Eddie Murphy. I keep saying Eddie Murphy. Why? It is Martin Lawrence. I should probably do some Eddie Murphy reviews. That's probably why. Um. I uh, will be continuing with uh, Martin Lawrence month. I know I want to get to the series, Martin, the Martin series before everything is done. I know I want to do one more movie at least. And I did want to have a discussion piece about him as well. So a few more things I got planned for that. So just keep a lookout for him. I'm going to just try to use my time wisely um, as best as I can. All right, y'all. I love you guys. If anybody hasn't told you that yet, uh, peace out, one love. And I will holler at you beautiful people. I will holler at you beautiful people later. Good night now.